name is Vida, Sister Prince, and today is October 20th, 1994, and I'm interviewing Stella Bowie for my oral history project, Race and Memory in St. Louis. This is a my independent study supported by the Missouri Historical Society. Uh, Stella, uh, we've just decided, you and I, that to, to sort of start with downtown, we, we can pull the past in and then we'll go pick up the past. Um, I have your, I've got your name, I got your name because uh, I was interested in downtown. And mm -hmm. being interested in downtown in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s, um, um, my feelings go across uh, a, a bunch of things. One was that the experience that the colored, I'll use colored for the moment, child had when they went downtown was an education, and I call it a, um, a free education at a very high cost because... Very well put. Thank you. Because of what they could do, what they couldn't do, and what they learned mm -hmm. on that trip downtown. And I sometimes think of that child as excited, maybe, when they first go and they're dressed up, maybe. and then. I don't know if I'm seeing it correctly, and you can, maybe it's not as dramatic, but over a period of time, I would think that steady drip of, of learning would, was at a cost. And, but, but how I got to you is, of course, thinking in terms of that and thinking in terms of the department stores, and you had a job an occupation uh, as an elevator starter, you said. I, I thought it was an I was an I was an operator, and the starters were the people who were like um, a supervisor who determined which elevator would go up first. Uh, in other words, following, uh, they would uh, give a signal for this one to go because there was another one coming down to be loaded to take the shoppers to the other floors. Now, <clears throat> I would like to begin with describing St. Louis to me at that time as you saw it as far as what we're talking about, is, which is um, how, how race may have played an impact on people at that time. So, how did you see St. Louis as far as um, what I'm saying, what people could or couldn't do? We're talking, you went there in, the, in 58, right? I saw St. Louis as a limited area. And it was a limited area at that time. The borders were where you had to live, and you had to live there because there was no open uh, policy where you could um, go into other neighborhoods and um, rent a house to live or to purchase a home. And I think at that time, very few people were owners anyway. And 
the only time the only thing um, they could do in freedom is within the boundaries in which they had to live, which also brings you back to uh, being educated at that time you had to go to school where you lived. And of course, uh, like I said, there were oh, several sections. There was a uh, area in the Baton area near Crondelet Park, in which the girls had uh, the children had to come all the way to the city to go to school. Well, inner city, and there was a section they called the Veal, they called the West End, which Homer G. Phillips was built, and. Uh, there was an area where I lived at uh, Jefferson and Shoto, which was becoming a commercial area because we lived right across the street from the Mack Truck Company on Shoto Avenue. So these areas were, we felt very free, but when you went downtown, as they called it, because some people referred to the city is downtown now, uh, but at that time it was where the business was conducted and the big department stores and Woolworths, uh, Five and Dime, and so when you'd go down there it was limited. There was no place to eat and the only time you sat down if you happened to buy a pair of shoes but you could not sit on the stool to have a sandwich. Um, there's a lot of sometimes. Could did you see signs in St. Louis? Were there any signs? No, I never see? saw any signs. But my husband, um, in the '60s, when um, Roston Perina burned. And I was working downtown at Sticks at that time, of course, having started there in 58. Um, he was a city fireman, and when that building burned, they learned, the black firemen learned, I don't even know if the white firemen even knew that at that time, because this was uh, a different job, unless they had someone related to them working there. And the sign, read at the rest uh, the restrooms colored only. Now, this was where? Boston Perina. And this was, um, I don't remember the year, but it was early 60s mm -hmm. when Ralston Perina burned. It was quite a fire. And he did see that. And my husband did read these signs. It was very um, provoked and they never thought that they would see anything like that in the city even though there was a limit to where you could go and what you could do. Colored. Colored. Mm -hmm. I do remember working at Sticks. we did not eat with the uh, white employees. There was such a thing as uh, a dumb waiter the employee's restaurant was on, a cafeteria was on the 10th floor. And where we changed uniforms to operate the elevator was on the 11th floor. 
So on the 11th floor, there was a smaller room in which we used as a cafeteria, and next to it was a recreation room where some would come and play cards. Well, they had such a thing as a dumb waiter that the food used to come up from the 10th floor to the 11th floor, uh, where we could be, where the, uh, today we say black, in those days we said colored or Negroes, and that's where the Negroes were served. In a small room next to the recreation room? Yes, and there were two uh, smaller rooms. And could you go in the recreation room? Yes, the recreation was, the room was for uh, the black employees. Oh, for the black employees, mm -hmm. I see, I thought it was for everybody. But, um, how many uh, blacks were employed at Sticks when you came and what did they do? I never did number, count them, I never knew the number. But um, the jobs that was held then by blacks were elevator starters, elevator operators, stock workers, um, housekeeping, which is janitorial services, uh, cafeteria work, um, bus work, busting, uh, and dishwashers, cooks. I think I've covered everything. Um, how did you happen to have that job? It started uh, when I was in high school. I knew every year high school students were used at holiday time. And they were the ones that would, when they would extend and rope the floor off near the escalators, they would use the high school girls to see that the flow of the traffic would not be close to the escalators. Um, what did you call them? They would rope up, put the stands yeah, up and put the ropes, thing. yes. Yeah. And because it used to get pretty crowded there and uh, they were open then uh, because of the war, they had extended at time, they continued to be open. Um, Famous and Sticks and Scrubs were open on Mondays and Thursday evenings and then of course Saturday, so that's when the uh, high school uh, black girls were used and given a few hours of work. Mm -hmm. Where did you go to high school? Vashon High School. And then um, my knowing this, uh, I never did go back down there after graduating from high school until 58. So you worked as one of those young ladies? Yes. Uh, and I graduated from Vashon in 47. And I worked there in 58. Um, I went back and employed and uh, asked for employment. And the only thing that was available then, part time, and I'm sorry, it was 56, was 
a working, I worked holidays and each one of the operators days off and some evenings, the, the Monday and Thursday evenings, which was four hours. Yes, five to nine. The store still open till eight thirty at that time. And another cute thing that I remembered: uh, your pay was cash, and everybody got paid by envelopes. But that was not that was the um, store policy. See, so everybody got an envelope and set up a check at that time. Even you know, even office workers. And you also got a dollar for supper if you work nights uh, on Mondays and Thursday evenings. Oh, but they didn't serve your. It still did not serve us upstairs, no. So where did you eat? We ate on the 11th floor. No, 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 but I meant. Oh, even they gave you the dollar and you ate on the 11th yes, floor? Yes, you can. It was just. Um, well, at that time, a dollar bought more than just a cup of. Uh, pop. So you would still eat on the um, 11th floor because there was a certain time that all of the restaurants closed. The one on the 6th floor where customers went and the 10th floor where uh, the employees, the white employees worked and where the, on the 11th floor where the black uh, employees would go to eat. So they all closed about maybe 7.30 because those workers had to clean up and get ready to get off from work uh, maybe at 8.30 and some left a little earlier depending on what their duties were. Can, can you kind of go back in time and I know this is hard because I'm asking you things you you may, may or not remember. I'm asking you to recreate something okay. for me and I'd like you to, to tell me that when you went down there for your job Did you, did you, how'd you happen to apply for that particular job or a job at Sticks? Because you'd been there before or because? Why? I guess I had been there before and of course I knew uh, the lady personally who employed the girls. And she implored a certain kind of a look of a person to represent the store. And this was a white woman? No, this was a, a black woman. That did the employee. Her name was Celeste, Celestine Chambers, and we called her Tina. And is she still alive? No, she's passed on. And would, would Celestine, would she have, she only, did she only hire the black applicants or did she? Was she only it was in charge of hiring the black women. Okay and what kind of look did she want to represent? Well when I went they were it didn't matter what complexion they were but they were all clean-cut women who had the look of class and of course she could recognize that that I, I, I have two things that have to do with this that I have been made aware of. These are just single people's opinions, but 
I was told that color did have, uh, not by somebody at Sticks, but just somebody that I interviewed, um, that color had something to do the lighter you were with the elevator operators. Early on, yes. Early on. So more in the 40s, you think? Or earlier. And that like I'm saying, Vivian could really bring you up on that because when I um, went there to be employed, most of the women were, particularly the older women who were older than I, much older than I, who had been working for years, were of their complexion. And beautiful. Beautiful. Because Vivian today is, of course you will see, she's about your complexion, had beautiful uh, red hair at that time. And um, she had hair that she never had to worry about having it straightened. Uh, had gorgeous hair, which is white now. And um, she wore it in a fashionable bob, like most of the women did. But um, they were the, the class fashionable looking women at that time. Um, how, did, how did you feel about that? fact, I mean, you are very pretty, you know that, and Thank those you. two executives that I interviewed knew you, <laughs> <laughs> and also said that that you were very beautiful. Um, but you said that that was to, that was to represent sticks, but did it have another meaning? I guess it had the same meaning that I've always heard. I, I'm not old enough to say that I have experienced this, or a particular, I'm going back when I say old enough to experience this because I understand some people are experiencing it now. My complexion is in between the very dark and the very light. So a lot of that I uh, did not come in contact with. I think the people who came in contact with that were people who were very dark. Not saying that they were not pretty. Right. Because there, there are some gorgeous women who are black. No, this doesn't have anything to do with the, the look, the, the, only the color. The, yes, right. And I think it was something the whites wanted at the time. As far back as it goes, like I say, I was not old enough, of course you know I was I didn't come along doing the slavery, but it comes from that era. Uh, the lighter skin were in the house or had something to do with the children, whereas the black were out in the field. And I think it it with people who I think the whites who were, it was passed down. I'll say it that simple. It, it was something that moved on in time. And you know, there, there are some people who are still diehards of whatever, um, who don't want to give up, who did not want to give up streetcars for buses. You know, it's, to right. me, that was that simple. We, we don't want the change, yeah. so we 
stay with what we know and we feel comfortable with. Yes. And that's what I, uh, way I felt about the complexion even back in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. You're, you're more towards the lighter color, though, than you are the darker color. So you're, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, I could be, but I often say that I'm so, so in between. That you didn't feel either, no. either one of those. No. There were times you would feel that because. Feel what? Uh, the difference in the color. Okay. Are denied. You know, there's always classes in every race. Every race. And the classes does not always come from color, but it so happened uh, being of the black race, in the black race it became color and the lighter skin um, blacks were chosen by the whites to do certain things so that passed down like I said so the blacks did the same thing they congregated because they were pulled into a society of their own and the blacks, of course, had to have their society because they were like ousted from the better things that were uh, presented to them. And so that caused the, the lighter skin to be educated, uh, to be accepted in uh, the social sororities, uh, the social climbing, uh, the grouping. Uh, certain types of um, parties, or if a um, organization of whites wanted certain, wanted blacks to do certain things, or wanted to permit them to do it, to keep them being shamed or told no from their group. I'm speaking of the whites. The whites. If they wanted blacks to be involved, knowing that's what they wanted to keep from being told no, they would choose the lighter skinned blacks and gave them that permission to do certain things. You see what I'm saying exactly. is it's prejudiceness within. within. Mm -hmm. Just like in any organization there's always in fighting even though it looks great when we see it but we don't know who is voting with who because they don't like this person or that person. Not it's because they've done anything, it's because I don't like you. It's a terrible master plan to follow. It's so sad. Yeah. It's not because a person is clean or doing what is right. You know, when I was coming up, my dad always told us, it's never who is right. It's always, always what is right. And because it is what is right, it's because the rule says that the law has been set for that to be. So it is what's right, not who. But it's too bad that man cannot do what's right because he always wants to be, it to be said, I did it right. <laughs> When you got this job, was that uh, was this a good job to have at that time? Not so much a good job, it was a prestigious job. 
it looked good as far as the black community was concerned, as well as the white community. I was given a job. It was a clean job. Um, matter of fact, <laughs> it was so clean and so wonderful. Clean. What is it? I know what clean means, you know what clean means, but you're using Well, you didn't get dirty. You didn't get, only thing you could maybe get on your, uh, your uniform was if you was carelessly eating. So or you went really to wash your clean. hands. It really means clean. To yes. Okay. It really meant clean. Some would not say, but I'm I try to be as honest as I possibly can and, and the way I see it, I call it the way I see it. The elevator girls had their picnic. Their picnic was separate from other picnics. Uh, in other words, of course, from what I understand, the whole of the white structure had their picnic. Didn't matter what they did. Everybody went to that picnic. And when I say what they did, I mean the job that they held. From what I understand, picnic. the picnic was the job was um, held. In other words, the elevator girls had their picnic. Housekeeping and cooks and restaurant dishwashers had their picnic. This little group you're talking about. Yes, uh, the separation. The yes. Mm -hmm. and in other words, it made you feel that you had, uh, if you were an elevator operator in that department, a starter or operator, and also the carriage men were involved or included in that picnic. Then the others who became friends or who were friends of others who did other work would, would have to be invited. And how are you using picnic? Social. Social group. Social away from the job. Uh -huh. Was uh, in a recreation room, that's when people became other friends because, of course, if you didn't work with, you didn't work in a kitchen, you, of course, you were not friendly with the person that operated the elevator because you didn't know one another. The only time that you, when you became acquainted, of course, is when you went up for lunch and in the um, cafeteria or you got acquainted with playing cards or ping pong or whatever. Cafeteria? Uh, what, well, we called it cafeteria. Your room or, was a cafeteria. Uh, well, no, I I'm guess I'm the, using the wrong word for then to now. Yeah, um, you didn't go to the cafeteria. The, on the 10th floor, this was the 11th floor right, I'm talking yeah. about. Okay, I just want to keep it. The 11th floor where uh, the blacks went in, went in, and it was, um, I, yeah, it was cafeteria style also. You went through the line uh, like you do now, the same way with a tray and got your food that, that had come up on the uh, dumbwaiter. And who got it off of the dumbwaiter? The people who worked who served you in the cafeteria on the 11th floor. Uh, they were not cooks up there. Um, so there were black people serving black people. Right. And you had tables and 
Yes. Um, so within that fairly small group of people that, uh, black people that worked at Sticks, there were different, as you say, picnics. I mean, there was a you the had social, social standard, stra yes. strata of yes. your own, and the elevator girls and the carriage men, and the, which was a doorman. Yes. Were, and and where there was a man that worked at the bar in the barber shop, I understand. Uh, for the men, or there was a maid that worked on the executive offices. For cleaning. Only time we had a black guy to do anything uh, that was, um, I guess you say, a part. He was the only one who did that at that time when I arrived. That was in shoe repair. There was a black guy who did shoe repair. That came late, mm -hmm. later. Um, so, and did, I guess. How about the food? Do you get the same food? Yes, same, the food. same food. Same food uh, because from what I understand, some of the people who also came up on the 11th floor to help service or to take care of the food were people who also helped to prepare the food on the 10th floor, and that's where the kitchen was. Go and back. they cooked down there. Go, go back a little bit to um, the status in the black community and the white community. Um, you mean where we lived? Yes, or okay. the fact that your job was, uh, you know, had a high standing. It was clean. You were clean. It was a clean job. Um, and what else? I think we kind of got off of that. Um, um, did somebody tell you before you went to get it that it was a status job, or was it after you got it? Uh, that when you tell people what you did, uh, how did that, how did you know that was a step? That was understood in the black neighborhoods, black areas, because at that time, uh, before that time that I was there, because I'm talking about, uh, most of the time I'm talking about is after I had graduated from high school, You know, we only had three schools, mm -hmm. so it was common knowledge. We had Fashan High School, we had Sumner High School, which my parents attended, and then we had a vocational school. So there was only three schools in the city. Uh, we did learn, and of course, um, the teams that our schools played were those three schools plus um, a school that was out in, a black school that was in Kirkwood and a black school that was in Webster, Douglas High. Douglas and Webster. Mm -hmm. And what was it in Kirkwood? I don't recall that name now, but um, I guess I remember Douglas because I had uh, befriended a few people at that time who lived in Webster. How did that work, Stella? Um, you said that you, you lived in on Shoto. Mm -hmm. Your parents had gone to school at Sumner, which was in the middle. And how did you, I'm led to believe by some that people really did not know each other in 
the different areas like like uh, below Grand, west of Grand, out there, over on the south side. Um, but yet you, your parents went to school. At well, they did like because years years. Everyone went to one of the other schools. And <laughs> okay, you're talking about uh, basketball playing against each other because you couldn't play against the whites. That's right. I remember when my husband was playing football, uh, the coach and the team traveled to Memphis to play a black team. We also played uh, Lincoln High in St. Louis. So there were black teams had to play against the other black teams. He also went to Benchon? Your husband also went to Benchon? Yes, yes. And his name is? Preston. Preston, Preston L. Bowie. Preston what? Preston L. Bowie. Mm -hmm. What was your maiden name? Mosby. Mosby. Mm-hmm. Um, and, all right. Did you do any, did the girls do any sports that they would have an opportunity to play against another school? Did they do that then? I don't think I'm answering too quickly by saying no. Um, we had cheerleaders and whatever else girls do at the football games. But there was no competing of um, um, volleyball. That was not that important, and girls didn't play basketball at that time. You know what? We're way. Up. I, I want to go back to downtown. Okay. Of <laughs> course, <laughs> um, you have to remember now. Like I said, this took place downtown too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the schools. Well, downtown, yeah. I'm thinking the stores. Yes. Right. That, that, thank you for reminding me of that. That's. Um, I guess the subject of, of that. Um, at the time that you went to work there, did you see any other choices of opportunities that you had? Did you have some to make? Yes. Um, when I went there, um, as I said earlier, or did I mention that it was right after the integration of schools. The court had um, had said that there were the schools would be integrated. Well, at that time, I was uh, married, but I did see after working there from '56 part time up until I was hired uh, regular in February of '58. I always liked art, never really followed it too much, but uh, the display department was something that I saw that I liked, and I applied for it. And the only way that I could get into the display department is was to become their maid in the display department. And I befriended one of the girls who um, told me that that job was open. If they wasn't open, they needed someone to clean the platforms in which the uh, mannequins sat on. She needed assistance in keeping the base, glass bases clean that the mannequins uh, 
sat on that held them up. I guess you'd have to see a, a, a mannequin to understand what I'm talking about. There was a glass base, oh, I guess 12 by 20, and it had a, a metal rod that set into this glass base uh, that also would um, be in the hip side of the mannequin to balance it, depending on how the mannequin would be standing. But anyway, when I applied for that, I got that job. And from that up until I think people adjusted to seeing me work with this other person and what I was doing, then it became uh, clear that it could be done and, and accepted. I also helped her to. Uh, the way you're saying it, that this is a this was not a black woman. No, this was a white woman that I was assisting. So they they could see that you could do this job. Yes, and I also assisted her in picking up what was chosen to go on the mannequins, in which we made the rounds of the department with a clothes rack and we would put the clothing that was chosen by she and the a buyer, our assistant buyer. And we would uh, then take the clothing and then accessorize and we'd go to the different departments and get the shoes, the hat, that time, whatever was popular in dress, suit, hat, handbag, shoes, hose, uh, other accessories such as jewelry and scarves and would take it to the pressing shop, which was also uh, located on the 10th floor and other end of the building to be pressed so that the mannequins could be dressed and presented, of course, um, to the public on the mannequins. And that department came under advertising, whose um, division was um, a Mr. Bob Dawson, Robert Dawson, who I believe is still living, whom I found out was still taking classes at Washington University. <laughs> but this was also a prestigious department because this department was under advertising, and advertising was a, a big important, which today is an important uh, Division of any job, you know, any any uh, organization. You mean the pressing part of the, the advertising? No, no, but the uh, you talking about the display department? Was yeah, the under oh, okay. display department was under advertising. advertising. Bob Dawson. Mm -hmm. Bob Dawson. Okay. And so that's how I got the job was through being the maid. So then eventually she left, and you. Eventually, no, she was still there, but an opening came when someone else left, and the person whom I had worked with over a period of time, um, we were, you know, we worked together. So then you were co-workers? Yeah, we were co-workers, and I was employed full-time as a display a department, uh, in the display department. So you were not a maid anymore? No, right. Did you have a title? Did they? 
Yes, and I'm trying to remember what that was that we were talking. I was trying to remember what that was called. Um, coordinator. Um, did your pay go up? Yes. Do you remember what your pay was as the elevator operator? At this time, I really can't remember. You were an elevator operator and a starter? I never was a starter. I was oh. always an elevator operator, oh. and from that I became the maid, the maid. in the display department. And the coordinator. Mm -hmm. um, well, that was a, that was nice. Yes, at that time it was a wonderful feeling. And that was in the sixties. Fifty-eight. In 58, you said you... I went there in 56. Oh, but part-time. Part-time. Yeah. Because earlier I had been there part-time as a um, uh, escalator um, monitor, I guess you would call it, at that time, at holiday time. Mm -hmm. Because at that time, you know, you didn't have all the, the large malls. Yeah. So you come off so the escalator and you would direct people? Yes. That was during high school. And not sister. But this is on again. You'd be surprised at people who were not in denial. It was not important. So it was thought of as, it just wasn't thought of. It just of. wasn't thought of. In fact, uh, we had been talking a few minutes before what we, uh, was uh, the fact that. Other people, executives, had said that there was uh, that some of the jobs that, that have been mentioned here weren't, and so that there weren't escalator girls. And there, they, you're right, they just and they, these men said that they were with sticks bearing full at that mm -hmm. time, and that there were five about five um, jobs that they people. remembered, mm -hmm. and they were the doorman. Mm -hmm. Made in executive offices. Uh, man, I guess the shine shoes in the barber shop. Or yes, no. yes, yes. Uh, there was an elevator boy. Uh, they call. I thought that was a, the the guy that kept them the starter. That's what they said. And then elevator operators. And that was uh, the five areas. And they said that there weren't cooks. There weren't cooks in those days. There weren't. This maybe this was the late forties. There weren't stock. People at that time, um, there weren't um, uh, the janitors. There were janitors. So either, um, as you say, it just, it just. The stock could have come. The stock people could have come later, and the reason I say that is because I remember two people. who were in housekeeping, who was transferred into stock work. Mm -hmm. Now that very well could have been, um, but like I said, when I was aware of it, as far back as I can remember, there were black stock people, but I do remember two people saying that they moved from housekeeping into the stock department. When 
let people get together. If you're for dinner or you're in a group of some kind and you don't know each other, is it a regular kind of question to say to somebody, what do you do? What's your line of work? What's you, where are you employed or, or whatever? Is that a something that people... The question would be, where do you work and who do you work for? But most black people knew what you did. If they did not know, it was put, well, the news came through the Black Argus paper. Yeah, that was the paper at that time, the Argus. Right. That was before the St. Louis American, the Sentinel. But I mean, if you were somewhere, well, if you joined a new church, if you were somewhere that, you know, you didn't know somebody, if that was possible, I don't know. Um, was that a question that was a normal question, or was that an intrusive question? Or was that a, not something that people asked? They were curious, and they would ask, of course. And, and so when you said elevator operator, or made in the display department, or, or I work in the display department, would that get a pretty Good. I mean, it was how like, react? yeah, <laughs> special. Yes, you 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 know you someone with air, mm -hmm. flair, class, mm -hmm. and as we know today, it's just the same policies are used. If you go and apply for a job, and you make out an application. You don't know if it was filed or dumped in the waste can. But if someone recommended you, that is who you know, not what you know. I realize I've already asked that question, but I wanted a physical or a kind of a response like you gave me, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. to, to see how they actually. Um, and I, I think that's pretty universal, isn't it? Oh, sure. You know? Oh, sure. I, I was told once, though, I know, I was told once in the, in the black community, I was told this by a young woman, mm -hmm. younger than me, <laughs> uh, like in her 30s, that people don't ask people what they do because they, or they didn't used to, because they're usually not doing something they want to do. And so they, I said, well then, you know, I, when I didn't do anything but stay at home and be a housewife and a mother, and I remember, People were then beginning to ask women at gatherings, so what do you do? And it was like, <laughs> well, you, know. you remember when people would ask you that or found out that you stayed home, it was, um, you were, you were more or less, say, I wouldn't say looked down upon, but you didn't. If you didn't have a skill, or if you did not have um, a vocation that was respected in the neighborhood or in the in your circle, uh, you were <laughs> you were sort of frowned upon until 
someone came up with the great idea that a housework, housewife, my God, that's the best job in the world. To be able to stay home. Stay home and yeah. uh, you sent the greatest people out in the world to be dealt with all day. Your husband went, you sent him out with a happy attitude to go out and make more money, get promoted. You sent the bright children out because you were there to teach them early, early ABCs and other things. You were better than, the housewife was better than sending them to a daycare. Because at that, those days you didn't have daycare. Stella, um, drinking fountains, sticks downtown, was, that in, was all that integrated, the bathrooms? No, restrooms were not. There was no sign up, but you knew where to go. And you knew where to go because when you were employed, it's like when you go to be employed, you are uh, shown the building. Uh, in this area they do this, in this area they do that. Well, you were given the same tour. You were given the same tour, each person that was employed. Yeah. And how did they get Because they, uh, if they employed two people or three people or four people that day, you went with whomever was assigned to show you around. So this is where uh, the females come. This is where the males go. And this is where we eat. This is where we have recreation. We had ping pong and card playing, or you write letters, or we have magazines here. So you you used separate bathroom facilities. Did the yes. did the black shoppers customers use that, or did they go anywhere? They also had separate areas to go. And you were shown that they didn't have signs up. Um, far back as I can remember, I, I'm 66, and I don't remember seeing signs ever. I was never um, embarrassed by that. It's just that, like I said, you were shown, it's the same way when you moved into a neighborhood. You knew what schools that uh, you could attend. You knew when you went downtown what was expected. What was expected? You went down there and shopped and you came home. You did not dress up to go down there to have lunch with anyone. And then when finally there was a fountain, I guess you'd say, with three or four stools with black help behind the counter. They were considered counters. Scruggs had one under their basement stairs, the dime store, which was Woolworths, had one at the far end door, not the 
front door because usually most stores in those days would have uh, a corner double door opening to enter. The uh, counter was near the side door on um, Washington because it used to sit there at 6 in Washington, you know, dime Woolworths, big Woolworths store. So this side door that you could come in, where everybody used that door, if you were coming from uh, the east end of Washington, the workers, they would come in that door and the shop. You know, you take your convenient door to come in and out. Well, so far, um, this counter was at the back, and you had about three or four stools. If those stools were taken, well, you'd only get a sandwich, a hot dog, or a hamburger, and a, uh, maybe, I don't remember if there was a malt or not, but I know they would have uh, soda and coffee, I believe. And they would have a, because um, in the mornings you'd get coffee and uh, a roll, a, you know, a sweet roll. So they would have um, a plastic, con you know, that they put the cover over the donuts and rolls. And you get coffee, donuts, rolls, hot dog, hamburger, and a drink. And a few stools and the rest stood. Yes. Now that's Woolworths. Mm -hmm. Scruggs, basement, uh, and this was at a, at a, what you call a black counter. This is a separate counter? Yes. Okay. Um, Scruggs was for everybody, I believe, though. Yeah, everybody, but n not the... Black and white. Not the main counter, no. Oh. They had, Poor all of them had, you know, all the department stores at that time had a, if you didn't, you had two places you could eat, catch a quick bite at the fountains. All of them had those fountains. All the department stores had the fountains. And then they also had what they called a tea room where you go up and sit down and be waited on at a table. The blacks did not eat at the counters on the main floors. That's why these separate counters were set up. Later on, during integration, and when there was sit-ins, blacks finally was accepted at the soda fountains. We're going to get to that. I want to, okay. I want to stay. So Scruggs basement. Let me let me say this: both Caucasians and blacks could go down there, but there was a separate part of that. For the blacks. There were a few whites who, it, it made them no different because a lot of whites who had people working for them did not feel separate from the blacks. If they wanted a quick bite, they would come to those counters and get waited on and leave if it wasn't too crowded. But I'm sure that. Uh, there were many times I know that they would go to tea room or they would go to the other fountain and eat, and it was the convenience I think they accepted when they would come there. Do you remember Kresge's? Yes. And what about Kresge's? They had the same setup. They had a separate um, place what, to eat. Was there, but at Kresge's, could you sit down at the counter? 
the same uh, few separate stools, few, few stools, yes. But not a full swinging thing. Right. McCrory's. Do you remember McCrory's? It was a five and ten cent store. Where were they located? I don't recall um, them. Let's see if I have it. Um, Exactly. Only requires I remember was the family that had the barbecue. <laughs> yeah, it was a Washington Avenue. Washington and where? Got me. Um, what about? Did you ever hear of Thomas Thomas Market? Oh yes, I bought many bags of fruit and food, vegetables home from Thomas Market many so, times. Where was that? Do you remember? Sixth Street and um, what is that? Lucas, Thomas Park, Sixth and Lucas. And so the arrangement there was same difference. Same thing. Mm -hmm. And then they finally set up a a counter also for black people. And what about toilet facilities at these places? I don't recall. Do only when I was, only the larger department stores would have one. But Thomas, I I don't recall because I didn't go there. Um, it seems like most of them would go downtown and do what they had to do in two to three hours and then go home. Did you think people? didn't go downtown if they didn't have to? Yes, because you had your neighborhood stores. People went down to pay bills. Right. And then they would do whatever shopping they had to do while there to come home because food was a bit cheaper. Um, people felt the markets were better. They felt the vegetables were fresher or the convenience of being there and pick it up and bring it home. Because okay. like I say, you had your neighborhood um, bakeries, you had your neighborhood uh, markets, grocery stores. Of course, I guess I'm thinking when back when my mother was shopping when I was home. When you were little, mm -hmm. well, what was that like? It had not changed. It was the same. Did you go downtown with her? Occasionally. Not often. We didn't go down often. We didn't have the facilities. Uh, we didn't have the transportation, I should say. And the neighborhoods were not bad. Uh, you had... Um, I remember when I was a kid, we had a drag store in the neighborhood. We had a drug store. We had um, we had the drug stores who gave us our needs, uh, being in the black neighborhood. Whatever um, you call for, and that they could provide it for you, it was there. So there was no need of going down. Like the petroleum jelly that we use on our hair, downtown would not have it, but the neighborhood drugstore would. 
So a lot of your needs were met in your own community because they didn't have them. Would the dime stores, would Kresge's or, or McCrory? No, they didn't have it. They didn't have it. And I, um, as a young, a little girl, we were at Jefferson and Shoto, which was a black area. And we used to walk up Jefferson, and I used to say up because it was uphill, but it was south. And we used to walk to um, Park in Jefferson to pay the Metropolitan Insurance bill from our parents. And then we would walk a couple more blocks, just half block of Park Avenue, and there was a dime store. On the next corner, and I believe it's still a library, isn't it? Lafayette? Yeah. Black owned? No, it wasn't store. black owned, no. Drugstore no. was not? No. Okay. All the, um, I don't, I only remember one black merchant in our neighborhood. And um, they came late, and they sold um, wood and coal. We had one uh, black businessman, and he used to come through and sold. He sold rice and coal and wood. But we did not have a, uh, business people in our neighborhood. Going to keep pursuing this other. It's all downtown. Right. Well, it's okay. <laughs> we'll get the stores. Downtown. The stores. No, but but I want to finish with it, and then we can enlarge on the other things that that you've touched on. Um, right, we've done the, the eating, pretty much drinking fountains. Um, is it possible that when you would go in the? I mean, I've heard that people took a sandwich in their purse. I guess so. I don't know. I I would think so. Uh, you had some people, black people, who were very proud. And they, too, did things that was convenient for themselves. Because I imagine today we would laugh at some of the things people are doing today sure. uh, that was convenient for them, that we maybe called an eccentric, I don't know. <laughs> but we too look for comfort mm -hmm. and whatever the limits was, whatever we could do for comfort, we did it. And people lived apart. And the only way that people, whites knew what blacks were doing was through the communicating of, communication of their maids, their chauffeurs, um, cooks, or yard people, which white families felt very close to, that individual and their family and whatever information they exchanged. That's a fascinating point. Which? Which you just said, oh. because that would be it, wouldn't it? I might know about someone who worked for my 
the family about her family because she would tell me. And then when she got home, she could tell her family what went on, what went on in my house, her house. And that, at that time, would have been the only communication. And you know, I, I always believe, and I know very little about um, my ancestors. I didn't know my grandmother both grandmothers and one grandfather. There were some fascinating stories my grandmother would tell me, my mother's mother, because at that time they had them ladies of the night house, in which my grandmother was a cook. So she worked in a white house of prostitution. Right. Where, was this here or there or somewhere? Was All of my family was from Missouri. Mm -hmm. 